Alright, hello people, it is me, the Cryptid Check, back for another podcast, but I'm very sorry, we're about two months late. Um, Today is Friday, it is a Friday though, today is Friday, May 3rd, 2019, last episode um was uploaded, uh, I believe, February 25th or something like that, February 20-something. Everyone, I'm really sorry that I have not uploaded for over two months. It's just I kind of lost, um, I kind of lost my, uh, like, what's the word? My drive, my, like, not passion, but, like, I don't know. I just kind of lost my will to make these podcasts because, um, I don't know. I just, I don't want to be, I don't know. It's just... I was just going through something um, at the time, but I am back, and um, I have promised myself, and I will be um, pushing to always upload every Monday and Friday as much as I can, and to not care what anyone else is, what anyone else thinks, and what I think people will think of me. Just do what I want, and what makes me happy. That's all that matters. So anyway, um, on episode three today. Um, we will be doing Bigfoot. That is right. Um, today's podcast is about the elusive Bigfoot or Sasquatch. So to start off with some background information, the term Sasquatch or Bigfoot is like an anglicized uh, der- derivative term of the word Sasquatch, meaning wild man. And sorry for my mispronunciation of these big words. It's going to say it right now. Um, there have been thousands of eyewitnesses that um, report these bipedal ape-like creatures that um, are believed and have been reported to only be dwelling in the wilderness of the United States and other countries. Um, people who see these creatures um, often guess that they are either some type of missing link or fallen angel slash demon, which is really interesting. Um, people who claim to, people who claim to have seen these creatures describe them as, um, large, very muscular, um, a very strong odor that comes with it. Like some people describe it as wet dog and rotten eggs and garbage and, um, urine and all that just mixed into one. Like a lot of people also describe that the, the scent being so strong that like, like, it can make you like pass out. That's how strong it is. I can only imagine how it uh, how it smells, like this, like crazy. Um, they also described the the creature being roughly six to nine foot tall. Some reports um report taller, but six to nine foot around one point eight to two point seven um meters tall. Um, covered in hair that is described as rough coarse looking hair and and often described in colors um such as black dark brown or dark red there's also very few reports of um albino or white white haired um sasquatch but that's mostly um referred to or um described or thought to be only yetis but there's very few reports of people seeing white sasquatch white haired sasquatch in the woods 
So, um, the hi- now we're going to talk about some of the history and background on this information, or on this information, on this elusive Sasquatch. So, um, the Western Una- uh, Native American tribe called Lumi tell, um, tells tales of the Tsemikwis. Sorry for me butchering that word. Um, that's their local version of Bigfoot. For, for the most part, the stories are similar to each other in a general description of these um, of these Tsemikis, Tsemikis, my bad again, <laughs> um, but there are, um, also some reports that describe these creatures of being very threatening, um, such as in one instance in 1847, Paul Kane reported stories by the Indians, um, about, uh, Skokums, or Skosums, um, I, I don't know how that pronounces or how to pronounce that um, exactly. But anyway, Skokums, um, they, they said, are a race of cannibalistic wild men living in the peak of Mount St. Helens in southern Washington state. Um, also, from the old eyewitnesses reports, it seems that these creatures are a little different in like their like the way they look, the way they act, the color, the hair, um, the heights, the everything. It depends usually what state or what region of what country and, you know, what part of the world, which is pretty interesting. Um, and also, um, there was a report in the early 1900s of Teddy Roosevelt, um, reported this. He said that he was hunting with one of his buddies in the woods and, um, he said some bear-like creature, um, he witnessed a bear-like creature, um, attacking and killing one of his hunting partners in the woods. And it's it's written in a book. It's really interesting, but not a lot of people know about it. Um, but I find it very interesting because there, um, you see all these reports, all these like, um, all these like stories of people witnessing these creatures, yet there's there's no like acknowledgement from like the government, even though I'm. A hundred percent sure the government knows about this. It's just very like I don't know, irritating that the government is trying to cover this up and millions of people are believing the government and um that well that's what the government's trying to do. They're trying to cover it up the existence of Sasquatch, trying to deny it for the for the um I don't know for the society. I don't know why why they don't want people knowing, but it's just it's really I find it kind of amusing because there's way too many reports to deny this. Um, as people call it, phenomenon. It's not a phenomenon. It's a proven fact, and people have seen it. And um, people uh, from all uh, walks of life, like police, policemen, lawyers, doctors, um, anything you think of, people have reported this. Even government officials have reported these creatures and admitted to seeing them, but they don't know what to what to think of it. What to how to process it. They just don't know how. Um, so I'm going to read one. Sto- I'm going to read two stories today. About um, detailed encounters. Of these creatures. Um, these stories are coming from. A really well known. Um, podcast. Pow podcaster I guess you could call him. Um, by the name of Sasquatch Chronicles. Um, I've been listening to Sasquatch Chronicles. For years now. At least three to four years, and I absolutely love them, um, 
this is no, as you could say, sponsor, I guess. It's not nothing. He didn't ask me to do this. I, myself, love Wes from, Sas- from Sasquatch Chronicles so much. Like, older stories and reports he puts out there are very interesting and um, always fill me with new information and more fascination about these creatures. And I'm always learning and always want to continue learning. So this first story is called Chanting in the Woods. It's from his podcast, episode 533. And um, I'm just going to read what the story says, and it's very interesting. So this is how it starts out. My uncle is a big fan of your podcast, and he encouraged me to email you about my supernatural experience with a Wendigo, possible Sasquatch. I grew up in a small town. So, so before I start, um, it's a possible Sasquatch. So I'm gonna just read the the story, and then you guys decide. I grew up in a small town in an incredibly rural region of southern Ontario. My house was situated in the forest forested environment with a Niagara escapement snaking. Sorry for my lack of um, verbal knowledge. <laughs> snaking up from a front yard. It was a land of unspoiled beauty that has the capability of hiding many secrets in its depths. My family always told me stories about the beasts that lurk in the woods, real and supernatural, but it wasn't until I had my own experience that I became a believer in the old legends. It was a mid-autumn, it was mid-autumn of 2012. At this year, at the, at this time of year the sun sinks away early in the evening, the only light being the crescent, the crescent of the moon. My sister and I have always enjoyed exploring the woods that surrounded our house. And it was on the night of my experience we were out gallivating in the early hours of the moonlight. My uncle, the same one who has um, convinced me to write this, had walked from his home a few kilometers away, or kilometers, um, from ours. And he had had walked away from his home a few uh, kilometers away from ours, and we had excused ourselves from the adult conversations our whole lives we had been warned about not venturing too far from our home especially in the darkness so most of us stayed around the perimeter of the unforested part of our house land despite the events occurring seven years ago my recollection is still shockingly vivid and i take it when i take myself back to that night when i take myself back to that night sorry about that the air was slightly cool, but warm enough that I only needed a raincoat. Sometimes it's it's cold enough to snow at this time of year. That she puts in quotes. Or not in quotes. In uh, parentheses. My bad. <laughs> it was a good evening altogether. My sister and I were getting along. and it was, And as we laughed and played in our yard. We were completely unbothered and unaware of what was about to happen. And what I then thought was a brilliant idea, an idea I encouraged my sister to come with me and enter the thin strip of woods about 25 feet apart the se- that separated our um, property and unused driveway on the ad- adjoining land. It was covered in young trees and surprisingly sturdy grass that in the fall got so dry and brittle that they could hold you up when falling on them. We spent the next few minutes matting the grass down enough so we could walk onto the on the part of the woods into that part of the woods standing there were about five feet from our property. I started to feel strange. I decided that it was about time to get back to the house as my stomach was turning. 
Taking our last opportunity before going home, I shoved my sister hard, intending her to to be kept from falling by the grass. Unfortunately, this wasn't the case as she fell hard on her back, shocked by the tremble. It took her a few minutes or a few moments before she reacted as she in a state of dumbfounded shock. This had never happened before. I stood there worried that she would take should take a book she would take off back home and tell my mom. I got on my hands and knees eye level with her before she could even bat bat or eyelash or anything a word that there was trying to convince me that she was okay and that there was no reason to to say anything to mom. As she did, we would never be allowed outside. Or if she did, we would never be allowed outside in my bed. Due to my age and stubbornness, I was reluctant to apologize. I did help her up and brush off the dirt on her backside. We stood there a few moments. In the darkness, I could see um, her big blue eyes. She was chattering endlessly as she, as only she can. I debated with myself what uh, what I should do. If we go home like... I had wanted two moments before she would get me in trouble, but if we stayed out against my better judgment, I knew something bad could happen. It was, I was her older sibling. I needed to keep her safe. Before I could reach my final judgment, the sense of unwariness exploded. Tingles traveled from my neck down to my spine. Both of us stilled. The flow of words from her mouth was abruptly silenced as I smacked my hand over it. I didn't expect that out of her quietness. Out of her quietness would grow a fear in me so deep, I rarely visited the forest again. I rarely visited the forest again after that. It started out quieter, the slosh of heavy footsteps on the unpaved landway, the graveled stones tinking across each other as if they had been slightly knocked or kicked, my bad. This sound quickly grew louder. It It almost sounded as if the small rocks were being cracked under each footstep. My sister and I stood there. Neither of us cowered. We were frozen in fear. The sound of footsteps was soon deadened by that of heavy breathing, grunting, disgustingly inhuman. We were held in an unmoving trace as the beast came into view. A mass of tangled, um, a mass of tangled, slightly curly fur. A body it was, a body it would have dwarfed. Um, my burly grandpa, who was six four, its body was illuminated by the dim light our house cast upon the yard. I was the first to break. I yelped, t- terrified. Despite its its size, the thing was surprised, surprising quick. It, its large head whipped to the side. Although I couldn't make out its eyes, my sister and I could both feel its gaze wrapped in our unmoving forms. It was at this moment I found control over my limbs. Selfishly, I pushed my sister behind me, clo- um, screaming or behind me, close to the creature, and I ran, screaming for my mother, someone to come, or my mom, or someone to come save us. I barreled away at my sister. To the front stairs, she wasn't far behind. The shock from me pushing her must have helped her move. As we mounted the stairs, our hands fumbled at the front door handle as we trembled in fear finally we got inside still on edge our family was obviously shocked by the state we were in they weren't exactly receptive when we tried to explain what we had seen they tried to tell us that it could have been a bear far too short or little black bears could have um 
Our little black bears could have never stand that tall. She says in quote um says in uh the little what's it called? This went brain dead. She says in the little um enclosed things. My bad guys, I'm sorry. Kinda went brain dead for a second. Or maybe it was a person, they said. Um, still too small, not burly enough, or it wouldn't be most people say something instead of scaring two people. That's what they would say. My sister and I remained steadfast. We knew what we saw. We went so far as to beg our uncle not to walk home that night. We didn't want what was out there to get him. Over time, the shock of what we saw has worn off, but both my myself and my sister still maintain unquestionably um, that... That was the most terrifying moment in our lives, even as even after we experienced a break an entire while, even after we experienced a break an entire while we were alone alone together, I racked up my brain for what I could have what I could have been. At first, I was convinced it was a Sasquatch, but years later, I'm not too sh now I'm not too sure. At this point in my life, I'm nearly convinced it was a Wendigo, purely on the fact that it still gives me the shakes when I think. Think think about it, as I've always been told, they ins they inspire fear in their victims. I have a feeling that this will always remain somehow marked by the. I will always remain marked by this experience, even though it was years ago. I'm I'm often a point of. It is a, often a point of conversation with my family. At first, I'm certain they thought that they were trying to make, to joke with them, but seven years later, they real they now realize our moments with the beast were very much real. It made. It made believers out of the two of us and has opened our eyes to strange happenings we have witnessed. So we see here this crazy story of these two girls um, just by chance and by just pure fate um, being in the woods at the same time as this creature happens to um, come by. Or it was either that or the creature purposely, um, you know... Heard them, smelled them, sensed they were there, and came up to see what was going on. And the what's kind of um what kind of sucks is the lack of um description, I guess you could say, to uh, or about the creature. So we can't exactly know if it was a Sasquatch, which I'm thinking it was a Sasquatch, or if it was a Wendigo, because. I mean, people who have experienced, um, or have witnessed Sasquatch, like, like in front of their eyes, still like, a lot of them are always gonna gonna remember that experience for the rest of their life until they die. Excuse me. Um. So yeah, that was the first story. That's pretty crazy. What also we um often experience or often I hear from people who report this. Is that their family doesn't believe it. They think they've seen a bear. Or their mind is playing tricks on them. Or any of these uh, denials that they... Uh, or things that they try to deny the story of what has happened. And unless one of, your one of your family members has also experienced this. It's almost impossible to convince your relatives of, of what has happened. Alright, so the second and last story that I'll be reading today um, that has to do with Sasquatch 
is also from Wes's Sasquatch Chronicles. This is episode 535, titled Taken. Alright, so this one's also a little bit long. Alright, the the person who wrote who submitted the story's name is Richard, and he writes, When I was tw- about 12 years old, my father had enough confidence to allow me to wander the forest near our home hunting for squirrels. Behind our home was undeveloped mountain property of several thousand acres. There was old ha- homes and farms on the mountain, long years ago abandoned when the families died and dependents moved on. Most of the land was purchased by timber companies and was companies and hunting and walks in the woods were okay. I had been taught at an early age in hunting methods and gun safety by my dad. He took me um he took me on ex- exploratory trips into the woods to show me good places to hunt and blaze trails so I could find my way home. Dad was a very smart man and was a wise father. He didn't want to find it necessary to search for me and lead me back home at night. One of these locations became my favorite. Very large beech trees filled with filled a little valley. Um, my access was on was one of the ridges that formed this place. There was a nice creek at the bottom of the ridge, and the and the babbling of water helped to cover the noise. To help to cover the noise I made walking in, the trees were very tall, and the canopy was very full, making entry feel like walking into a large covered room. In the fall of that year. Little red berries on the beaches made these pl- a place a favorite a favorite with gray squirrels. I adopted this place as my personal hotspot and mental relaxing den. Squirrels or not, I enjoyed spending time here, sitting on a log and admiring nature around me. Squirrel season opened around September fifteenth, and I could hardly wait each year for the season to open. A few classmates bragged of sneaking out before opening day and harvesting a few early. Not under Dad's watchful eye, I would follow the game laws or not be allowed to go at, to go all season. When opening day arrived during the 1957 or 1958 season, I would rush home after school, grab my shotgun, and I, and off I raced. After a few successful trips, I went to my personal spot on one evening to find nothing at all. No squirrels, no birds, no anything was moving. After waiting an approximate time in my 12-year-old brain, I decided to expand my territory, crossing the bridge across the stream. In this area, in this area had been cut a few years back, leaving few full trees, an extremely thick, un- ungrowth, thick ungrowth bushes and brers. I found a game trail that was an old logging road, circling the base of another ridge. It was quiet, and there was like I had and it was there just like I had found it earlier plus the ungrowth was very thick making eyesight limited I had traveled 200 or 300 yards off my normal route and found nothing to investigate I decided to turn around and walk very slowly back when uh the, the way I came in if quiet I might find the game moving since I got out of school at 3 p.m. it was almost time to return home for dinner anyway as I got near the little bridge that would take me toward home, I heard an unusual noise. I listened carefully but did not recognize the sound coming from the thick undergrowth. 
It sounded somewhat like birds or squirrels scratching in the dry leaves looking for buried nuts or worms. I decided to investigate and determine the source of the rhythm, this rhythm noise. Ground-covered dead, ground dead leaves were very, and were very dry, making it very difficult to make any progress through the, the laurels, briars, and undergrowth without announcing my presence. I eased myself into the brush, making, f- making fair more, far more noises than desired. As I got closer to the noise... It got louder, but I couldn't. But couldn't see the source. The brush I, I, I was entangled in was almost as tall as me. Finally, I parted the tangle in front of my face, and I saw the so- source of the mystery. In front of me, lying on the ground, was an extremely large animal in deep sleep. This animal had been careful to not leave a trail into the thicket it was concealed in. Had I not heard the breathing noise, I would never have discovered this hiding spot. What I saw was this large animal lying completely surrounded by thick brush, weeds, and briars. It looked like a large rock that had been dropped onto tall grass that gathered against all sides. The source of the leaves was being stirred was the breathing of this creature. With each breath, it, the leaves were blown against as it exited. Ex- <laughs> As it exhaled, I could see no movement of the animal other than the breathing. The color of the fur or hair was cinnamon brown. I had been, I had seen some cattle in this color, but this thing was appeared to be larger than a cow. I tried hard to see more details, but was unable to see enough to eliminate guesses. It appeared that this was the this was this thing was laying straight down with feet and legs holding it holding up under it it had a great had made great effort to be concealed the head and neck were pushed up against the bushes so i could not see details its breath was coming up out of the bushes near my right foot but i was wedged tightly enough that i could not that i could not see at last i knew which end of the which was the end or at last i knew which end was the front all I could see was the surface of the back. Con- considering bulk, I could see the bo- um I could see of the body. I would estimate estimate the weight to be seven hundred pounds in range or more. I smelled no order odor nor heard any noise other than snoring. Please keep in mind I was twelve years old and so excited my heart was trying to to jump out of my throat. I was trying to determine what this animal was. In my range of knowledge, the only thing I could think of was a cow or a bull. I brought my 20-gauge double barrel up to the front of my chest and began backing out of the step one step at a time. I tried to form a plan of action if this thing woke up with me bound up its me bound up in bushes, and if it came to me, I had to two two barrels of six number six birdshot. This this er my plan was to shoot at the eyes, therefore blinding it and slowing it down. Better than no plan, I thought. Thank our Lord, our good Lord, that I got out of the thicket and back, um, on a clear path. As I started walking toward home, it occurred to me that I had crossed no fences. In fact, um, I did not know of anyone with a pasture close enough for the cattle to wander in into this area. 
1957 or 58, I had no knowledge of Sasquatch or Bigfoot. I had not heard any stories or news about these creatures, therefore I did not consider them when this event took place. Um, no, I told no one of this event. Dad would be furious if I shot someone's bull. He would, he would, he would confiscate, confiscate, my bad, my beloved shotgun. And if I told anyone, any of the guys at school, they would make fun of me for the story or tell everyone I was afraid of a cow. At 12 years old, the mind, at 12 years old, the mind is an amazing thing. After a few days, I hardly remembered the evening or the event, and I, then I forgot altogether. The only event after this that I can think of happening many years later, um, or I don't know if this had anything relations to my story. I was I was always proud of my father, and never heard of anything he was afraid of. I went to visit him one evening. He had a story, and he had a story for me. He had been exploring deep in the same in the same forest as I used to hunt in. He had a Colt Woodsman twenty two pistol that he that he tools with on him at mostly on most walks and hunting trips. He continued to say that he had wandered into some deep woods that he had never explored before. He told me that he was so far afled that he became worried that there might be something in those woods he did not know about. He was so uneasy that he pulled his trusty Colt out of his holster and carried it in his hands on the walk home. For a man raised in a dense forest and hunted his whole life, this was not normal. In fact, uh, he spent over four years in, in the Navy exposed to the worst exposed to the worst um, battles of the Pacific during World War II. I never knew him to show fear in any situation. I wonder what he saw in those woods that he wanted to tell me about. Um, I am now seventy-two years old, and began, and began enjoying your Bigfoot videos. Within the last month, I listened to your account on your program that sounded similar to mine, and my memory came flooding back. I had not thought of this encounter in sixty years. Wow, what a story! So, um, in this last story, we hear of a one of those. I've heard many, not many. I've heard a hand. I've heard a handful of these stories where. People back in the fifties and sixties have um, experienced something as a young, you know, teenager, or a young person, a young boy or girl, and at the time of their experience, they have no clue what it is, because um, you know, at the time, it's not very, it's not widely talked about or known what Sasquatch or Bigfoot is. And it's very interesting that he said that the creature was in a deep sleep. Um, there's very few encounters that I've heard of of people in a deep sleep who see these creatures and these creatures that don't wake up. He says that it was leaning or that it was laying on its back and its feet were propped up holding it up. And it was breathing and making these the leaves make this noise. And that's the only reason why the boy found this creature. I find that very fascinating. And also, um, the fact that the that he says the creature hid itself so well, out of sight, is just amazing because it just shows the level of, like, of, intel not intellect. I guess it could be intellect or um, how it just shows how the level of like how smart this creature is, and like the what it's capable of like doing and hiding itself from its environment. <clears throat> and the last point I want to make is. 
how he talks about his dad being in World War II and seeing some of the worst battles in the Pacific and his him his dad growing up in the woods all his years and at that one moment when he was in the deep woods where he's never been before um being like so like worried about what was that what could have happened that he actually unholstered his gun and carried it with him the whole way back this is very interesting because i've also heard many stories of almost every single one um the creature inspires fear in the people that encounter the people that encounter this creature because just I mean no one really knows why it inspires fear but it does and it's just very fascinating that even before even seeing it you get this like flight or fight sense you know like the our sixth sense it's like it's pretty pretty interesting stuff so guys, this is the end of episode three, Bigfoot on the Cryptid Check. I appreciate everyone who listens to this, and um, if you can, please share and support, and share this to your family and friends, and um, for for the opportunity for me to make future ones with an audience who actually wants to hear my stories or my podcast about these different uh, cryptids in the world. As always, guys, this is the Cryptid Check. Signing off to the next episode. Bye, guys.